All right. So this is this is this is gonna be our our open for for episode Uno. Episode one of the JFK AFK podcast. JFK AFK podcast. I am going to be your host for tonight, Cody. And to my to my right, the the lovely, lovely, lovely dulcet tones of Dalton. Thank you, thank you. And then uh, <laughs> passing the uh, mic further down, we have Craig, <laughs> who uh, is a little bit of a mute, um, but he's a fantastic guy. And then kind of uh, love you, Craig. Him, we have Jordan. Hello, hello. So, Jordan, question: How do you feel? How do you feel getting passed up for someone who who just will not talk during our episodes? I mean, I mean, Craig's Craig's the best, so. Sure, Craig's fantastic. Anywhere near Craig is is considered a, a, a really high honor. True, indeed, indeed, indeed. He's it, he's one of a kind. You know, I think um, what we're really missing here is the fact that Craig is actually kind of keeping us captive. He is. He is. We're all locked inside Craig's cellar, forced to do this against our will. It's fine. It's all fine. It it it's fine. It's fine here. Yeah, yeah, everything's fine here. Yeah, no. he is the reason that this can be completed. Me- mean, meanwhile, people are like are, are downvoting. Actually, you can't downvote a podcast. So, fun fact. So, um, you can't leave reviews on Spotify. So we're safe. We're good. We're good. No one can complain. We <laughs> we have we have held these people hostage for like all of like thirty seconds now. So I mean, so if maybe, they're not maybe gone by now, then they they want to be here. So we're good to go. Oh, yeah. No, they've they've signed up for this crazy. So. All right. What so, are we talking about tonight? We are talking about a local homegrown mystery of good old Brian Schaefer and his disappearance from honestly, okay, I looking into this, I love this bar's name, the the Ugly Tuna Saluna. I it just it, doing the notes for this, I just had to write out Ugly Tuna Saluna every single time just because I I couldn't help myself. Well, you know, at at the time that this occurred, the Ugly Tuna Saluna was really the the most popular place in Columbus, especially for her college. Kids. Was it like highly, okay. highly popular? I see. I I did not know that. I didn't stumble across that at any point in time. I know it's closed now, though. It is. Um, the origin, there is there is a uh, Ugly, Ugly Tuna, Tuna Two. Yes, but um, the original. If you were out on the weekend, that's where you went. No, well, apparently well, you're a Columbus I've, local. Have you have you been? Not in. I've been by the original site because it's it's well, just just off campus. This is actually going to tie into like talking about his disappearance in the sense that the actual layout of of the bar is interesting because it's kind of inside another building mm-hmm. um, with yeah. escalators that go up. So I mean, it, it it's important. Um, and, uh... I, I ask you to repeat that again. I wasn't really sure what escalators did. Escalators escalate you to a higher plane of existence and and really kind of help they you. They they can go up. They can sometimes go down. They they get you closer to Craig. That's all you need to know. They they do. They bring you. They bring us all closer to Craig. Praise be to Craig. So yeah. So Brian Schaefer disappeared back in two thousand six. Great great year. April first two thousand six. Which, okay, starting off, I think, I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but Brian Schaefer disappearance, what if, just going to start off, like, just just throw this theory out there. I think it's bullshit, but what if it is the greatest 
April Fool's joke that anyone has ever played in the entire existence you know, of humanity. One of my theories actually takes into account the April 1st connection. Okay, okay, fair, fair, um, fair. To be honest, I, I will say that though I am typically open to almost anything, I'm going <laughs> to immediately discount that one purely because of the circumstances that had happened to him prior to this. Of course, it was aliens. It, it was definitely aliens. Well, I mean, I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. Okay, fair. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do our disclaimer now. We are, well, technically four. Four assholes. This is our opinion. Don't sue us. We don't have money. That's... We- that's we my disclosure. Know, we we know nothing. <laughs> we we don't we know nothing. We're just well, we're three a-holes here just uh just talking and, and bullshitting. So don't oh, sue us. Craig we're like broke. We're broke people. You can try. You're not you gonna can win. Try. Probably not gonna you win. You might win, we're not gonna win much. <laughs> not gonna win much. Um you can take an IOU. Brian Schaefer, OSU student um in Columbus, Columbus, Ohio, in case People are not, you know, educated and realize that all of Ohio is all of the United States. Always has been. He disappeared March 31st and technically late March 31st night, technically April 1st morning at like 2 a.m. Pick whichever you like. He was last seen at the Ugly Tuna Saluna Bar, which is located, the original is located at 1546 North High Street. They did close it like we talked about. Ugly Tuna 2 opened. I did do some digging as to why Ugly Tuna 2 and like the original Ugly Tuna Saluna Luna closed. Apparently it was due to like their lease expired. Also, I found several things, people stating that it smelled roughly of vomit and Axe body spray in there, which probably had a lot to do with the um, closing of the old old place and opening of the new place. Could that necessarily, though, maybe potentially be the smell of a rotting college-aged body? I don't know. Or the, the uh, smell of a bunch of college-aged crap. Frat boys throwing Frat up, boys up throwing up everywhere. Yeah. Especially in 2006, because I think Axe Body Spray is probably pretty, pretty active back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, okay. Hold on. Time out. Oh, still had the caffeine in them. To, to, uh, 2006. Was that still like early enough in the 2000s where like the visors with like the frosted hair and then like the heavy, heavy hair gel swishing your hair out one side of your visor? Was that still in at that point in time? Or, or, hey, or it no? was in at that time. Okay, cool. Because a child at that time. So, I don't know. Ah, you youngin'. All right, so Brian was a med school student, and he was on a spring break bar crawl with a friend named William Clint Florence, who we'll just call Clint from now on, just for brevity's sake, and I think that's the nickname he prefers. Another kind of major character in our story, or person, I guess, in our story. Meredith Reed doesn't play hugely into it, but relevant to to know that she was there. Starting off, Brian was having dinner with his father, and according to his father, he was apparently very tired looking, exhausted from the semester and all that sort of stuff. He told him not to go out with Clint drinking at that point in time. Didn't think it'd be a good idea. Brian decided otherwise and said, yeah, no, I'm going to go anyway. So he went drinking. They went bar hopping. From what I could read, they went to several other bars. They started at Ugly Tuna Saluna and they ended at Ugly Tuna Saluna, but they went to several other bars like between those two. They had a shot at every single place. I don't know what they were having shots of. I don't know if it really matters, but they were having a shot at every single one at their bar crawl. Meredith picked them back up. I could never find a time. I don't know. Did you guys find a time as to when Meredith picked them up? They showed back, back? 
the ugly tuna saloon, I think at 115, I think is what a police report said that I read. Okay. Because I, I couldn't find a time myself in terms of like 155 and 2 a.m. were noted like pretty much everywhere. But I think that's when he just uh, like the last time he was seen. That was, yeah, the he last popped up on a video camera. And this will be relevant in a minute at 155 with, with two women. I'll get into that in a minute because that gets that's that's a really complicated detail of the story. And I'm not sure which is actually true. Anyways, so they get back um, to the Ugly Tuna Saloon at the end of the night. At 2 a.m., Meredith and Clint are waiting for Brian to show up out front of the bar, and obviously, because we're talking about his disappearance, he never did. So they assumed that he had gone home to his apartment, which I couldn't get an exact distance of. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure I'm sure someone who wants to do more digging than I did can probably find it, but from the general reports that I saw from most of it, it was very close by. Like, it was apparently him disappearing and walking back home was something that has happened regularly he's done it before and so they just assumed that everything was fine after after that his girlfriend alexis wagner they were gonna go on spring break she called him no response apparently his dad tried to call him after she called his dad this was on sunday 7 p.m yeah but that was like 7 p.m on sunday i think yeah Mm -hmm. because everything that i heard in terms of the communication between her and his dad because his mom had just passed away from cancer so that's an important note as well for some of the theories i've heard mixed reports on whether they actually placed a missing persons on that sunday night or waited until monday morning when they were supposed to be going to florida over spring break where it was apparently rumored he was going to be proposing at that point in time information that i read is that they had contacted the columbus police department the next day when they could not contact Brian and that Columbus police officers were actually present at the airport on Monday to see if he was going to show up. And once he did not show up is when the Columbus police department really expanded their search efforts. Yeah. Right. I, uh, I watched a video that was from like a representative of like the family talking about kind of talking about the whole thing. And, and she was saying the same thing that they filed the report on Sunday and, and then really things amped up on Monday when he didn't show up for that flight. Cause I guess that flight was a, a gift from his recently deceased mother that he was yes, rather that too. To, to go on. So nobody thought even if he was say missing that he would miss that flight. Right. So I think it's weird that as well because this is 2006 apparently they called and talked like all the time too one of the notes that i made in there was just like i think the discrepancy between him disappearing like 2 a.m on saturday and then actually being declared missing on monday it was a bit of a long time well if you think about it from a police standpoint if you have an adult it's not a child if brian was 10 years old then i could easily see a missing persons report amber alert being sent out it's not that far-fetched to me that a full-on missing persons investigation wouldn't be launched until monday well what is what is it 48 hours or 24 hours that is considered for an adult like to be missing 48 but that's my head i would say that like with this case because they're it has been covered so much since it's been, you know, well over 14 years since it's happened. You know, like you were stating uh, before, you know, we started recording, there are very minor things that are kind of out of whack. But for the most part, like the the case is out there and it's pretty easy to, you know, look up the, the what is reported as hard facts. It kind of just feels like they fell 
short on following up with a lot of the more skeptical ideas maybe we'll get in we'll get into that in a minute but like i do i do think because if i remember right and i think it's been recently because i it was 2020 either 2020 or this year that they actually released an updated sketch of brian that you can go see that it's been age you know to see what he might look like at this age columbus police still thinks he's alive somewhere yeah that like, seems to they, be the, they are convinced he is alive and kicking that seems to be so. the popular narrative but i would like i couldn't find anything as to like why they they believe so wholeheartedly in that yeah yeah and we'll get into it i think it's i think it's just an interesting thing to kind of tuck away back there for for a little bit after he was declared missing they were able to pull the video camera footage from ugly tuna saluna so this is where it gets really important to know the layout of the ugly tuna saluna because it's not your standard bar it's not it's not a standalone building it's essentially a building within a building that you have to take either stairs or escalators up to you can go online you can watch the video the video that actually shows brian and it's actually really clear video footage it's not like you know police need your help identifying this man and it's like well i mean that person could be me for all i know you know because the video footage is so grainy this is actually really clear video footage especially for 2006. you can see two kind of rent-a-comps standing on the stairs and you can actually see Brian kind of like mingling and actually talking to the two girls who get into in a minute. But you can see the escalators. I did do some reading on Reddit. There is a whole Brian Schaefer subreddit. Fun fact. Not surprised. Yeah, right. There's there's subreddit for everything, especially internet mysteries. But apparently there is balconies off of the old Ugly Tuna Saluna. And it was very frequent, per some people's reports, that people would hop off those balconies to the street below. People have done it. it it is possible there's also a construction door that is right by the ugly tuna saluna that's just off the camera which is also important there is also yeah that's pretty much it it's it's like inside this little mini mall that's important to to keep in mind because like it's not just going out a different door but they did catch a video uh, if you've been in that area of high street a lot of those block buildings have similar layouts where it looks like multiple buildings that are attached together in these little block type building units. So they did see him on video talking to two girls. I've also seen mixed reports that Clint was also talking to one of the two girls. Brian, I've heard reports that it was Brian himself talking to both of them. I've seen reports that Brian was talking to one of them and that Clint was talking to the other one. I also saw there's one source in particular that said that Brian had kissed one of the girls, which I think is an interesting aspect. I don't know if that's actually true. If it happened, you can't see it in the video. Supposedly, he was he was making some moves on one of them. Supposedly. That leads into like a highly speculative question, right? Since he was in a relationship at that point. So I feel like oh, we yeah, absolutely. be very careful on that, that we're not making an accusation. That, oh, like, no, no, no. no. Just a, a I'm just compiling but, what I found. But and... uh, that does kind of lead into the fact that supposedly him and his friend Clint uh, had gotten to an argument or an, a verbal altercation that night, um, but nobody seems to know what that was about. And um, Clint ain't talking. Yep. And if it was about that, uh, well, or I guess I should say that would give good calls as to why you would have an argument. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like, you know, I mean, because I could, I actually 
thought about that too when I was like that actually puts some puzzle pieces together if that is true I don't know if it is because he may have just been talking to them if he was laying the moves on one of them Clint may have had some words and been like hey like you're drunk off your ass you need to like chill the shit out it's also and... worth noting that the female in question when she was questioned by police reported that she was so intoxicated she has no recollection of it at all and I mean you got to keep in mind too they're probably also shit face drunk. Well, they, she he's literally saying that she admitted she was. Well, no, 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 right. no, no. That Brian and Clint were probably also very intoxicated. They, oh, yeah. I mean, they I were was... doing a bar crawl and doing shots. Like, blood alcohol content, probably substantially high. Potentially, depending on how much time between shots, obviously. I, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some weird... There's a lot of weird nuances that like one-off kind of things that I keep hearing like different places or a couple different sources where it's just like that. Okay. That's an interesting addition. That's I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah. I, I think what that comes down to is people like us on the internet making our own assumptions and there's, you know, an opinion for everybody. So I think that kind of lends into like everybody, like you being able to find, you know, a thousand different speculations on something. Yeah, that's the last that Brian was seen. Is one fifty-five? He was seen going towards the door of the bar and potentially going back in. I've also heard reports that he told Clint and Meredith that he wanted to go talk to the band. I've heard reports that he essentially wanted to be Jimmy Buffett and would have preferred to drop out of med school to launch a music career and live in Florida and quote be a beach bum. I guess I've uh, heard a couple sources phrase it. What I read said that like music was his number one option. Well, that was uh, that was his number one love, yeah, from what I could tell. It's also potential he went back in to talk to the band. Apparently, they closed it too, so like went in with like five minutes left for the bar to close. So, which rolls into a theory that I had heard that I thought was rather interesting is that if he went back in to talk to the band after close, he very well could have been mistaken by staff as part of the band and left with them. Now, I'm not sure how the band would have left the venue again without being there. There is a service door in the back for staff, and the band probably used that one to come in and out and set up. He very well could have potentially left the venue with a band, and I didn't read anything about any of the band members being investigated. I I did, and they were... They were interviewed, but were quickly dismissed as having no no did, involvement by. No, okay. Expansion on that, then. Did they say that they actually did talk to him? Like that no, he? They had no okay. knowledge of him or his whereabouts. Now, what is interesting about that back entrance near the band is there is a motion-activated security camera back there, right? Which I've seen that at that time triggered to pan toward the service door. The security guard monitoring the cameras overrode the automatic movement to focus on a attractive female. Really? So they there was a two-minute window where the camera did not pan toward that door after motion was activated. So it's likely that our pervy security guard unintentionally missed Brian Schaefer leaving the bar. It is a possibility, yes. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's I mean, ask a question here real quick, uh, just to kind of get the, the topic out in the air, um, because I'm interested in what you guys think compared to what the internet thinks. Are we lending more towards foul play, or do you think 
he ran away and alive like we'll, the, the we'll get into that in theories i think we're jumping the gun on that one we've got more stuff to kind of dive into but i i do find myself falling hard line on on one area in particular but i'll share my theory in a minute I'd agree. I have a lot of odd things that point toward one area and then a few kind of off the wall theories yeah. about the area. I've got some off the wall theories, but I I'm leaning I'll go ahead and say it. I'm leaning more towards I don't think he's alive and I don't think it was necessarily foul play. But I'll get into it. When they went to investigate his apartment, his apartment was fine, nothing was amiss, his car was still there, everything was fine. Nothing nothing was out of place. But I'll get more into it and talk about my theory. But what I always think about when we talk about going into somebody's apartment, you know, think about your y'all's houses. If there are things that were sentimental to you or specific to you that you like, would somebody else know where to look for those or no. know that they were actually missing? No. Just throw it out there, but I'll, I'll go into more of that later. Fair enough. That's essentially the the history of of like that night. Man walks into a bar. Man is never seen again. Punchline of the joke is that everyone on the internet is still obsessed with trying to find him. In terms of the investigation, I've read a few things. They were really obsessed. Everything I've ever seen, they're always obsessed about two details when talking about like releasing photos of Brian. They talk about his stick band tattoo and they talk about a particular fleck in his iris, which I think it's a really, really minute detail. I mean, I've never seen the guy in person, so obviously I don't know what his eyes look like. I've seen a lot of people's eyes. I've never really noticed a fleck in anybody's iris before. What is, real quick, what is the point of them hitting on those details? Because I, I didn't come across anything I, that mentioned Identification. Them. It's identification, just to I see like who he was, like if you ran into him. Okay, got it. Um, I'm going to touch base real quick on just geography of that area. Go for it. So I think that's really important. If you're not familiar with with the downtown Columbus, is High Street runs north south. It's essentially it's it's 23, so it runs all the way from Portsmouth on the Ohio River to I-75 up near Findlay. It's a really long long street. But in Columbus, it's called High Street. So North High Street is north of downtown. The Ugly Tuna Saluna specifically is midway between the campus district, which is where Ohio State University is, and the Short North District, which is more of a, a gentrified gastropub bar area north of the Arena District, which is where Nationwide Arena is, uh, the convention center, and all of that. It's also, the bar itself is midway between the Olin Tangier River and 315 state route 315 and i-75 to the east so it's within really good walking distance of downtown columbus north columbus the olin tangier river which will play a huge part here in a minute i-75 i-75 could play a huge part because or sorry i-71 okay yes. 71 but still, still major, play a huge part major, major highway carrying forward from there his girlfriend alexis ended up doing like a number of flyers all around osu at that time she was frequently checking dumpsters alleyways riverbanks for him and one thing that i find absolutely curious and i cannot find any reason why that makes any goddamn sense the Columbus police got permission from the city to check the sewers, and I don't know why. So I, I, so I have some interesting insight, I think, okay. into this area. Because it, it ties into one of my more outlandish theories. That the mole people got them? Could be. Could be. <laughs> but 
Columbus actually has a surprising number of underground tunnel systems. Interesting. So High Street in particular around the Arena District is actually elevated, and it's built on top of the current railroad system and the old railroad system uh, that Columbus built back in the early 1900s. It's actually elevated by almost an entire story. So there's an entire underground section in the Arena District, which is about 30 30 minute walk south of where the ugly tuna saloon is located <laughs> uh, i have read some blog posts about other bars especially ones down by the arena district that if you go into their basements they have entered entrances to these these tunnels interesting ohio state university also has a very very vast and intricate network of tunnels underneath campus they're now used for utility and steam vents but there are access to those tunnels from columbus and there is a rather large sewer system entrance north of the Ugly Tuna Saluna called the Gates of Hell, which is a very popular, ominous. <laughs> ominous. Yeah, it's a very popular, I wouldn't say tourist attraction, but like a, a macabre thing to visit. Do you know that I've ever heard of the Gates of Hell? A place where college kids would like to go. Exactly. So uh, that, sure. that one topic that comes back to me is is the Columbus Police Search and the sewer systems just because of how many access points there are and could be to these tunnel networks that actually run beneath uh, North Columbus. Interesting. Okay. I was going to make a point saying that originally I had held a belief that maybe there was a hidden part of this, you know, the Ugly Tuna Saluna. But the more I thought about it, the police did do a full search with dogs of that bar to try and find him and they were not able to come up with anything and they according to reports you know really did an in-depth search of that place so that kind of threw that theory out of my mind is that he would have still had to leave the bar to the best of my knowledge before being able to access any of those tunnels correct because i don't believe that building was that building was too new to have direct access to a tunnel system like that i think well, I and honestly, like one thing that I find myself getting really frustrated with when I was doing research on this is that people really focus on the bar when at, at the end of the day, like we can kind of comfortably say, and I think all three of us would agree that he got out of that bar somehow. See, I, right? I do have a theory I can either touch on now or in a bit. In a bit, um, when we get to it. Kind of, kind of says that he left the bar, but maybe not exactly as far as maybe we're thinking that he might have got well uh, speaking of of distance we do know one thing his phone pinged in hilliard which is, think... is a decent distance from from a latuna saluna yeah, yeah it's very a good decent distance. 15 minute drive yeah can't just walk there could but it would take hours it would take hours and like you're going to be crossing to like some very busy places and some very unsavory places Yes. After about three months after his disappearance, um, Alexis, his girlfriend, would frequently call his phone almost every single day with no answer. It rang several times this time with no answer, which was a weird thing. Singular Wireless. You guys remember them? That was the thing. Oh, that every other time she had called, it went straight to voicemail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It hadn't rang before. Strange. They they claim it was a glitch in their system. I don't know how much I would necessarily believe that, though. To be fair, like I've I've had like situations where it's like I've tried to call somebody before and like barely half a ring before they pick up, and it's like, well, it was ringing on their end beforehand or something along those lines, and you had these things happen and 
all that sort of stuff. So personally, I think the one thing I am absolutely certain about with this is that regardless of what happened to Brian, his phone and him got separated. Somebody had that phone. Now, how it got there, we can't say for certain. In my gut feeling, I should say, I think it would be pretty easy for an intoxicated man to misplace his phone and for somebody to pick it up or for a potentially deceased person to have something removed from their pockets. And then when that person has that phone and turns it on, say they found it or were given it and it starts ringing, that would be good cause to turn it back off because you don't want to use a phone that has been stolen potentially and is ringing. I would agree. And, and, as far as I can tell, no one really went and checked out where the ping was in Hilliard. As far as I was reading, they pretty much were like, oh, well, Singular Wireless said it was a glitch in the system. No one went to check it out. So I think that's a bit weird. You're willing to check the sewer system, but you're not willing to go check a potential Thank- ping off a tower. But Also, it's 2006, so I know it's not like the 1920s. It's also not current day. Yeah, cell technology in 2006 was not what it was in 2021. So I that's wonder true. how much information they could actually obtain or what the actual radius is of a cell tower ping in that time. Actually, guys, uh, if we can remember back, I don't even think in 2006, uh, and I can Google this really quick, I don't even think the Razer flip phone was out yet. Was. That was Uh, was the phone I had. I I did have the, I had the Razer flip phone, I think it was 2006, it might have been. It was either 06 or 07, I had the uh, the Razer, that was my second phone I ever owned. Yeah. It was really snow five. So I mean that, I mean, we're talking about like, that was cutting edge technology back then. Uh, I mean, yeah. So okay, last but not least, let's let's get into this real quick because this is the this is the interesting part. So Brian's father ended up visiting a psychic, and this I think actually ties into potentially one of the theories that I've seen thrown around a lot. He he visited a psychic who she told him that Brian's body would be found by a body of water. He essentially orchestrated a, a organization of volunteers to go search the Olentangy. And nobody was ever found. Columbus PD also did that search of the sewer system. Nobody found there. I have a theory because people want to talk about the smiley face killer. And I'm sure we'll give smiley face killer or killers a whole potential episode at some point in time. I think this is how that gets linked to it is that people have latched on to the he is a white male college student um, who kind of looks like the frat boy type and may be found by a body of water. I, I think that's where the smiley face killer kind of comes in. That's my theory. I can't find anywhere else where anybody would think that the smiley face, quote unquote, the smiley face killer would be involved. I read a good article written. It was like a blog post written by some random person on the internet, um, kind of touching on that topic a little bit. And they discredited that the smiley face killer or killers or the organization or whatever you want to call that group or person had anything to do with Brian Schaefer's disappearance because basically what they were saying they released like a like a public statement just was like, hey guys, this one wasn't us. Sorry. No, no. What they were saying <laughs> is that basically if you did have a person or persons who were committing these murders uh, in targeting a, this group of individuals of, of white athletic frat boy-esque college kids, you would 
probably eventually run across reports of some type of stalking or like you know somebody being followed at the time in the area there were not actually very many reports of that especially not reports from that demographic so i i kind of do agree with them that you would think that if there was a group of or a person out there hunting down and killing that demographic of people, that there would be some type of report of somebody being followed or stalked. Potentially. I, I mean, of how much of that is impacted by the fact that male, especially of that demographic, are less likely to report something like that to the police. I would that, agree that, on that, that one. That is truth. I mean... Because that's going to be a dark crime stati- or a dark statistic of crime in the sense that and, and what I mean by that, for, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, dark statistics of crime is essentially all the crimes that happen that never get reported. That's that's the dark statistic of crime. So. Well, and, and that happens more so in a larger demographic of uh, predominantly males because we are significantly less likely to even ask for directions. Well, sure. Uh, Craig in particular know. never asks for anything. No, no. absolutely <laughs> anything. He just stares. He just stares. You know, we're not we're less likely to even ask for directions or, or help with anything, let alone report that we feel uncomfortable. There yeah. there is that, admittedly. We are in theories, boys. Yeah. So I'm gonna that. I'm gonna list off the mainstream theories real quick that I got here. We've already talked about smiley face killer. We can pretty clearly debunk that one, I would say. Maybe not a whole lot of fruit there. Rather surprised. We have Another one, which we've already kind of touched on a little bit, of potential being killed by foul play or like an accidental death of some kind. One that I find oftentimes written in there is that uh, Brian Schaefer is still alive. He's he's still out there somewhere and might be even listening to our substandard podcast. And he left to go start a new life with a new identity. I've seen this one thrown around as well because his mother had passed away from cancer, like I said before, that he potentially just went into hiding to mourn her. However, I think it's important to note Randy Schaefer, Brian's father, has since passed away. A couple of years afterwards, there was a really hellacious storm that came through Ohio. A tree, I think, it was either a tree branch or an entire tree. Tree branch. And, was it branch? Yeah, branch. I, I heard. I've heard both. I've again weird. Nobody seems to be able to get their stories straight. I've heard that a tree branch flew off and hit him in the back of the head and killed him. I heard that a whole damn tree fell on him. He was murdered by tree. So by God, by by God, unfortunately, God rest his soul. But I mean, you know, or was he? I mean, could he have? Could he himself potentially be a victim of foul play? Uh, I, the, I, I think I that would be very elaborate. I, I, I don't think that's the case. But, well, but you, think, you think about it. I mean, Brian Schaefer's mother. I am away. thinking about it. I don't know that I would agree uh, with that. But his mother passes away from cancer. He disappears. And within a year, um, his father gets killed by a tree or tree branch that hit him in the head. So are you suggesting that it was tree assassins that... that that someone paid an ent from from Lord of the Rings to murder him? I'm saying that I just came up with this idea off the top of my head right now, and allegedly what I'm saying is that the one person left standing after all of this was Brian's brother. Insurance, you know, like, could it it be a a case of insurance? I think that is a very, very long stretch. I, I don't think that's likely. I like the attempt 
Uh, yeah, I don't I, agree. <laughs> I, good detective work, but I, I, I think I disagree with, with the conclusion. If we do want to talk about potential murder... Can I, can, are, are we going to list them all? Because I want to speak to the being alive theory. Uh, I'm just going to list them and then we can talk about them. So last last one, and then we can talk about the, the theories and kind of go from there and just kind of freeform the rest of this. Clint apparently refuses to take a polygraph. Now, I don't put a whole lot of stock in polygraphs because they're, useless. they're like 50, 50, you know, whether or not they're true. So, so people tend to think that he's hiding something because he won't. And Columbus police thinks that he's hiding something because he won't take one. Some people think that he knows he, like he killed him or that he knows what happened to him that like accidental and he hid the body or that he knows that Brian's alive and where Brian is and he's keeping the secret or something. But, but Clint ain't talking. His lawyer gave a brief statement People are very suspicious of it. I don't see that much suspicion in it. I can see the fact where it's like he doesn't want to get involved in it and dragged into it. I don't blame him. Polygraphs are like, like you said, Jordan, they're garbage. They're, they're useless. I think uh, he's being rather smart by not taking the polygraph test. But I think he's so. Not doing himself any favors by not making like a public he's, statement. He's not doing himself any favors in the public eye. In in my opinion. I think when it comes down to it, he's he's being my, smart. My but, main question: but people are going to be skeptical of right? it. If you're out and you and your friend are both intoxicated, I, I guess that's the only part that could really play into it. But I mean, in my times of of going out and, and being intoxicated with friends, uh, the number one rule is like you stay together as a group. You you know don't get well, separated. And, and the fact that. But they, he has a history uh, of wandering off on his own and and leaving and just going home. Yeah, but they're not telling anybody. Closer, closer eye, like wouldn't you pay more close attention to your friend? I mean, theoretically, but also we don't know the relationship that they have. That's true. And depending on how close it was to when they argued, he may not give a shit at that point in time. I mean, because it, it very well could have been just like if we accept that he was laying the moves on one of those one of those girls got angry with Clint they got into an argument Clint was just like all right you know what fuck off whatever goes away doesn't care to keep an eye on him cuz they just had a fight you know at that point in time Brian disappears from sight and doesn't see him again i'm going to give Brian the benefit of the doubt that having girlfriend that he was potentially going to be uh wanting to get married to and that went goes through the effort of you know calling your phone every day when you you've been disappeared i i don't know man i i find it very hard that to you know probably believe that he was interested in one of those random women yeah i don't know i don't know how much i put stock into that that statement but it's I felt like I needed to put it in there and incorporate it into it because like into into our episode, because if I didn't do it, I'd kick myself for not putting it in there. But I don't know how much I actually believe it. But yeah, so we're in theory. So what do you guys think? Let's say, Jordan, uh, go ahead and touch base on, on your uh, outlandish theories that you have. So apart from the disappearing into the devil tunnel in Columbus and some elaborate april fool's prank i tend to think he is alive and chose to essentially bug out because there are a few there are a few interesting pieces of evidence that's not really talked about when they did the investigation one's not really evidence one is is a fact that he's a medical student 
medical students tend to have higher rates of mental health issues, sure. higher rates of suicide, higher rates of illicit drug use, on top of having the you know a death of a fairly significant family member, his mother, recently. So that's a fact. That that's that's like a constant. That that is a statistic that exists. Sure. They like bed students also like abuse like Adderall, like legal drugs even, just to be able to perform. Like I, and there, I'd like to think it's common knowledge, but might not be. Right. Then there has been discussion about his decision to go to med school. Whether or not that was a decision that his parents had guided him into doing. Because everyone had not everyone. A lot of people who knew him have said his number one love was music. Yeah, he wanted to be like a musician. I keep hearing like him wanting to be Jimmy Buffett kind of like over and over and over again. So the biggest piece of evidence to me supporting him wanting to or having a plan to leave is the fact that a few weeks before this event, his father had had written a tuition check for his upcoming semester at Ohio State. That check was never cashed. It was never deposited. It was never filled. Interesting. And the tuition due date had passed by this point. So by the time of his disappearance, he had not paid his tuition for his medical program. So he wasn't returning, planning to return to go back to school, basically. Correct. He'd also recently spent six months in Puerto Rico. I should say experience in the Caribbean section, I guess, that part of the country. Also, after the disappearance, there was a really weird incident occurring in Mexico. I don't know if either of you have heard read about this or not before, where a Ohio native was visiting Mexico. They were at a restaurant, and the gentleman at the restaurant, he's wearing an Ohio State shirt. He noticed somebody sitting in this restaurant who looked specifically like Brian Schaefer. So he's also been potentially spotted in even Sweden, if I remember correctly. But what makes this interesting is, according to the report, this this Ohio resident gets up to to walk by the the man to see if it's who he is, and as he's getting closer, he notices that this Brian Schaefer lookalike notices him and puts a napkin over his head. Interesting, because he returns to his seat, and the owner <laughs> he's of the just restaurant, like, I can't see him now. He has a napkin on his head. Right. The owner of the restaurant then asks the couple to leave fairly immediately. Leave this restaurant. Upon their return to Columbus, they report this to the Columbus Police Department, who then follow up with the restaurant in Mexico, who pretty flat out deny, like pretty severely deny that one, that the couple was ever at the restaurant, that that incident never occurred, they were never thrown out of the restaurant, and it's deny, deny, deny that ever happens. So, so to me, it's really, it's really interesting that these little clues tend to think that he chose to leave. Now, why did he choose to leave the El Tunis Luna, a really, really popular bar in downtown Columbus? That's odd, but so I, are the other things. I, this is why I have a hard time thinking he's still alive, right? He didn't take his car. Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna at least fail and drop off the grid entirely, how did he get to Mexico without touching his bank accounts, his car, or having any 
like noticeable financial disappearance. Well, the thing is, is he doesn't orders. have to get to Mexico from Columbus. He just has to get to Puerto Rico, which you don't oh, need a passport sorry, yeah. for. You don't need anything like that. So if he has this planned ahead of time, he could have a a Greyhound ticket to Florida. He could have a, a bag packed. He could have the items that are in his apartment that you might not think are missing already gone. And then I'm assuming if you're familiar with Puerto Rico, you've been there for over six months, you might know ways to leave the island to get to other islands that are not U.S. Uh, sovereign territory. Which Probably. Would make it a lot easier to get to Mexico. You still have to grease. You, you got to grease some palms. You can't, you can't just jump ship, you know, what? and just... Maybe I'm just too uh, caring of a human being. Really, I mean, I keep coming back to, like, if he was going to do that, how do you not tell your girlfriend that you're doing it? A lot of people do weird things when they have mental breaks. That's true. His his father even said, like, the whole dinner beforehand. Yep. You know, he didn't want him to go out that night because he was so stressed. He was stressed, and he looked exhausted, according to Randy. Now, could that be from medical school or could that be from trying to plan a getaway i mean or could it be a little bit of both that's just kind of briefly i'm going to throw an outlandish idea out here for you guys and say like i mean human trafficking is a huge thing especially in columbus it is what if he had somehow got involved with a human trafficking group i'm not gonna say anything any you know group and like specifically that were able to help him escape i guess at that point then i still kind of go back to maybe it was foul play because even if he had done that maybe they decided to double cross him yeah i mean if i'd say if that were the case they would have just trafficked him yeah i mean kidnap traffic and never seen again happens all the time the arnold classic in columbus you know we always have meetings about putting information in bathrooms and all these handouts oh, yeah. and flyers because when the Arnold Classic comes to Columbus, the human trafficking rate skyrockets. Oh yeah. Because you've got all these people from out of town who if someone were to snag them, no one would ever find them again. And you have two major interstate highways converging, I-70 and I-71. Then if you go further down 70, you get to 75, you can go pretty much anywhere east and west in the entire country. Yeah, but if he were... My whole thing is, I guess, if he was going to be human trafficked, I feel like it would have to be on his own accord. Because, again, I mean, a, a rather large, grown man is not typically the target. Uh, you're forgetting the a rather large, very intoxicated grown man. Highly uh, intoxicated. True. Highly intoxicated. You go do six shots in, I don't know, I'll be generous and be like, take the next four hours and do, like, six shots. Seven shots, eight shots, something like that. However many, like you know, bars they went to, in an X amount of time. Well, I mean, think about it. If probably not going to be walking a straight line. If he leaves the bar on his own and he's separated from his friends, he's got to find a way to get back to his apartment, which he could yeah. walk there. But if he can't walk there, and the reason that the ugly yeah. tuna saloon has the cameras is because it's a high crime area. You hail a cab, a fake cab pulls up. You fake get in. Taxi. I've seen that documentary. <laughs> all of a sudden you're gone you know that, that's very true my theory kind of revolves more so around just like the disappearance of him with the construction site there kind of going back to what i had touched on way earlier in this conversation is that the police came in with dogs searched high and low in this building 
to try and find him if he was still there for some reason. But what I did, I read online an, another blog post that I, I thought was interesting uh, based on this person's opinion. Their theory was that due to, as you said, about that being built on top of about a story's worth of buildup. Uh, so for the- what, what I'll say, just for clarity, where the Ugly Tunis Luna is built is not directly above that kind of tunnel system. That's more so down in the arena district. Gotcha. The south. Well, where this person's theory was basically going, and I was trying to tie it into that, but thank you for uh, correcting me, is basically that he tried to escape or, or leave through the construction area and potentially found himself in a predicament where he very well could have fallen down some, like a shaft or into a hole or something, maybe got knocked out, and then maybe by getting missed, ended up getting buried uh, like alive and maybe is still in that area, in the construction site area. The only only thing that I would say kind of to counter that would be if they are pouring concrete there, it's not like they're just, you know, pouring it into a hole. Like there's a lot of like tapping things down, smoothing things out. A human body is going to leave a giant ass hole cavity within that concrete and that concrete is not going to stand up real well. It's not going to set correctly. You know, it's, it's why like, for example, when, when they say like myths that, Oh, when someone died, you know, on building, I don't know, Hoover dam, great wall of China, they just throw their body into, into the thing. They probably didn't. Cause that's not really structurally sound. Somebody's going to notice someone of Brian's size, like, in a hole before they pour concrete. Yeah, but the you're... They messed up stuff before we, we have to pour the concrete and all that stuff. You're basing that on two facts that could very well not happen, which is, one, somebody does their job correctly and actually sees him uh, and discovers him. And then, two, basically, you're saying that... They, I'm not, again, allegedly saying that these people were corrupt. But at the same time, who who's corrupt? Like whoever was working on the construction site. I mean, they very well could have been behind. They very well could have been rushing. Uh, I, I'm I'm just not saying. All I'm saying is that very well, if you took a bulldozer to that place, I wouldn't put it out there that you wouldn't find his body when you bulldozed everything down. I think it's unlikely, and and because part of so I'll, I'll tie into my theory here. I think he's dead, but I don't think it was necessarily from foul play. I think what could have at most happened, mugging gone wrong. I I don't I don't necessarily think he's alive. I I disagree. I don't see anything. To be fair, I don't see anything in here that really makes me say he's dead. I also don't necessarily see anything in here that says he's alive. I I do think he is no longer with us my thing is i don't think that it was a random mugging or anything like that i do think it was either accidental and he found himself in a place that has been just the best hiding hide and seek spot ever um and or it it was premeditated because if it was a random mugging gone wrong I don't think they would have taken the time to hide the body necessarily. I mean, there's people that get killed in cold blood and robberies all day long, and they just get found on the street. 
Well, to- yeah, because then at that point in time, like a random mugger doesn't really have any reason to hide the body. Yeah, no, uh, typically bodies are hidden in premeditated events. And in this circumstance at this time, no body's ever been found. So he either is missing, like Jordan says, or somebody uh, in my, I, I think either, again, kind of that whole fell down, you know, fell down the uh, theoretical well and got lost. Or was, I think those are my top three that he was either premeditated, like murdered. Um, I can at least see the he's alive theory. Like, actually, Jordan, your your theory behind like him potentially like living in Mexico. A, it makes sense based on what people have said about Brian in the sense that he wanted the beach life. He wanted to be a beach bum. He wanted to make music. You know, it very well could be he's down in Mexico right now just playing music. I just can't get over the not paying your tuition. If you're a med student, one to stay a med student. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. That that is a very valid point. Well, did the cash or the check ever get cashed? Period. The check was never cashed. Was never deposited. It was written and never filled or never, never never touched. Yeah. So, and here's here's one thing that I was actually talking to the wife about, and was just like, and and she made a statement of maybe they're sitting on something that. They haven't released to the public. And we might be coming at this with not all the information. Of course. There might be some sort of detail that they are still sitting on or holding on that makes them think that Brian is still alive. Because I can't find anything that would make me convinced that other than you can't find the body. Which, I mean... Along those lines, you mentioned the police. mm -hmm. There, There was a reported sighting of Brian Schaefer in uh, the Caribbean. And they, the Columbus police have the picture of the individual and to this day have refused to release that photograph. Interesting. Really? And nobody knows why. But they also haven't closed the, like, have they closed? No, it's, it's still open. It's still active. considered an active, it's a cold case, but it isn't still an open case. They won't release that photo, but they won't close the case. Yeah. They think he's still alive. Like Columbus PD. Well, again, I think it was this year. Columbus PD is so convinced he's still alive. They did an updated photo of him. But my whole thing is to, I, I, I like Jordan, you go back to the check, not being cashed, right? I go back to his phone pinged in Hilliard. Uh, I, 2006 being 2006 and cell towers and everything not being what they are now, I I still don't believe that this phone that was not ringing at all randomly she dials right at the right time to get it like at the glitch to get it to ring. The fact yeah. I mean the fact that they weren't willing to go out there and search that area. Uh, it just still blows my mind because I don't know that they weren't willing, but based on what I can see, they just decided not to. They they said, okay, it was a glitch, so we're not going to look into it further. I mean, and to be fair, like I've had weird phone glitches like that happen before. It's not out of the realm of possibility that it was a glitch. It's it's the quinkiest of damn dinks. I mean, if we're talking about and giving it the benefit of the doubt that 
because in my personal opinion, again, he he was murdered and somebody took his phone, turned it on, and potentially had it ping at that time. Uh, but if we if we go the opposite way of that and go with Jordan's theory that he was running away, his phone being in Hilliard doesn't make any sense because as far as I know, I mean, that that's not a good direction to go. Well, I don't think there's... Way. There's not an airport in, in Hilliard. No, no it's, it's the opposite way of the airport. Yeah. yeah. Hilliard is west of the Ugly Tunis Luna. Port right. Columbus is east. That's what I'm saying. So, like, there's no reason he would have been in that area. Right. Unless he had somebody helping him get out of the city. Which leads us he back to Clint. Because yeah, he did not fly. Which, with bringing up Clint again, I know you brought up the point that they were seen arguing in the in the bar. That argument could be a last-ditch effort to convince him not to leave. Uh, that's a very valid point, I sure. guess. I mean, that makes, makes very, sense. I mean, I know for a fact, if I wanted to leave that I have at least one person I could call that would be willing to help me do it at any given time and would not utter a word about it if I did it. And maybe he just has a friend like that. Maybe Clint's his guy. Like, Somebody else in Hilliard. I mean, to... Sure. I, I mean, mean, I think we all potentially have a friend that would go to that length. I've got two of them right here. <laughs> Ride or die, baby. So, you know, I yeah, mean, that, that very well could be plausible, but I, I just feel like people, uh, human beings as a whole, I feel like are sentimental and emotional. And I, I don't think he could be gone this long, alive this long without slipping up in some way to let somebody know he was all right and then have it get out to the public. I mean, essentially what it comes down to at this point in time is it's really just his brother who's still, you know, doing anything out there with his memory or, or you know, still trying to, to, to lead an investigation. Alexis has moved on from, from what I saw. She's married now. Uh, she's she's stopped calling his phone. She's essentially, if I remember, she thinks she thinks he's dead. In her situation, you kind of have to. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Instead of carrying on the pain of thinking he might still be out there, it's a hell of a way to break up. Yeah, I mean that. I struggle with that one because I I don't think I could ever do something like that. But okay, but, so again, potential that he did he was making moves on those on those girls that night. That would also tie into the potential he's still alive and this is essentially him going and start a new life, like. Didn't really care. It was just they're having like one last night of fun in Ohio and Columbus, and was just like, yeah, no, like point about I don't that. really. I'm doing all the things I want to do. Consequence free. Can we, can, yeah, can we touch on that topic real quick? And another thing that I thought about that's interesting, right? And maybe it's just because I like my wife, but I I find it kind of strange that he was out bar hopping with his buddy and didn't bring his girlfriend along. Well, she was up in Toledo with family. Yes. Okay. So she wasn't even in the city at that point. In she, time. Was she was very out of town. They were, they were bar hopping. Yep. Well, 
I mean, then I'm, I guess I'm kind of swaying back towards maybe Jordan is right uh, or has some credence in his theory because, I mean, if you, I guess if you wanted to disappear, that would be a the perfect time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I, I started off I, feeling I was... like he's dead. But I'm, I'm starting to, to come around to the camp. He's alive. Yeah, and, and, and I also want to say he may not be alive now. No, because Mexico is not a very safe place. You mean Mexico is not stable and totally fine? Has a great economy and it's completely safe for people to visit at any point in time. I mean, yeah. this isn't a degree. This isn't a Shawshank where Andy Dufresne is going <laughs> to Mexico and living his best life on the beach. Yeah, I mean, I he was a a college kid with limited funds. Uh, well, and obviously didn't bother to cash a check of a yeah. substantial amount of money for tuition. From med I school. Mean, my whole thing is though, is I was firmly in the death camp based on the phone and just the overall like lack of lack of contact in a person uh you know like of, of evidence but I, I mean jordan has some very valid uh <laughs> very valid points you, you could even tie into the phone with him still being alive potentially maybe the phone was actually active in hilliard maybe he just Tossed it on the ground. Someone picked it up, lived in Hilliard, drove it over to Hilliard, ended up giving it to a friend of a friend of a friend or whatever, and who turned it on briefly and got a phone call, got spooked, and was like, uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna not keep this free phone. I, I mean, back in 2006, people like stealing phones. I had my phone stolen out of my gym locker in high school. Change the cards out. It was way easier to steal a phone and just have like essentially a free phone than it is today. And I do think that that is probably what happened with the phone, whether he was alive or dead at the time. Yeah, you just could have uh, tossed it on the side side of the or, street, or, or especially if he doesn't care about it or lost it. Uh, I I do think that the, I mean I've set my phone down plenty of times, got up and walked away, and then uh, thought like thirty minutes later to touch my pockets. And Especially my, if you're inebriated, <laughs> you know. And then I've had to backtrack my steps and and find my phone. So I mean, he very well could have just lost it. I, I am firmly in that camp that the phone was turned on and, and got the phone call. I don't think it was a glitch. That and that's. About- I- I'm mean. not sure it was a glitch either. I'm. I think it might have actually been a phone call, but who knows? And if you know, if if it's the theory that somebody in Hilliard, you know, helped him escape, kept the phone and anything that they gave him, could have got curious one day, decided to turn it on, left it on, phone rings, phone rings, you spook yourself and you turn it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get freaked out. All um, right, boys. So. I- any well, other theories? I think, I think I'm still gonna go with the fact that somehow, some way, Brian Schaefer died that night. I think that's the most logical theory. And I'm gonna say that it was from foul play, because though I brought up my point of maybe he could have fell down a hole or got covered up with concrete in the construction area, or something like that, the likelihood that that he would have been found is rather high um where with foul play 
the the likelihood that somebody intentionally hid the body um and has just got lucky that it hasn't been found i mean it is rather high and i think that's just i'm gonna stick with that idea because i think it's the most plausible of the scenarios now what the foul play was or the reason behind um uh, the murder i or uh, or who the, the foul play was from yeah i, I don't even I can't even begin to speculate because there's too too many variables there uh, based on what I read. Um, I think that's a perfectly fine theory. I mean, you know, I think that's that's. I think it requires a lot less leaps than being alive does. Jordan, where 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 are you standing on your theory? I'm still standing in the camp that he decided to bug out. So you're sticking. So you're sticking, sticking to your. To there's, there's too many weird, weird inconsistencies, and now how successful he was in getting to where he needed to be in one piece is is up for debate. But I think he he went into the ugly tuna that night with the sole purpose of not coming out as Brian Schaefer. I think he might be alive. I'm I'm willing to to be a little bit more open to that. My theory is I think he probably died by accident somehow very likely some homeless person could have like picked up his stuff hit his body somewhere but to be fair like if you hide someone in a dumpster how much are the dump truck crews or the dumpster crews really like paying attention to what's in there yeah i guess i just people fall asleep in in dumpsters and end up in the, the the truck and end up getting killed that way more often than you'd think they typically get found though cody is the thing that's why we know about those stories well sure what about the ones we don't know? Well, I mean, that's very true. And I mean, I, I'm a, the person over here saying that he got got murdered and, and was, his body was hidden and it was foul play. And I don't have a whole lot to, to actually like base that theory on. I can't point my finger at any one individual that would have caused that. I personally think Jordan has the most almost evidence to build. Oh, agreed. To build a case for his being alive and disappearance that night. But I, I think the chalking it up to an accident even again even though that's the theory i led with the more and more i think about it i think that it's kind of hard to chalk it up to an accident because i feel like an accident would substantially increase the likelihood his body was found yeah Uh, well i guess the other thing for me too though is like and this is the only barrier jordan for me to accept your theory is like finances it ain't it ain't cheap going on the run cheap he was also not he, he was a fairly affluent individual sure but his bank accounts didn't didn't empty out that's the part that that kind of bothers me is the fact that like there's no no movement of any financial resources even if he was affluent to suggest so, that and, and I know, think- in my opinion though that could also lead evidence to the fact that he attempted to bug out but never successfully made it yeah, maybe you don't need true. you don't need that much upfront income to leave, especially in his case to get down there. You just need a Greyhound ticket, which is a couple hundred bucks, to yeah. get to Florida Keys and then cross over to the Puerto Rico somehow. But if you weren't successful, you weren't you wouldn't be able to make it back to to get your funds. Or potentially, he went to Puerto Rico, tried to go to Mexico, ended up on one of those ships where they take your money and then dump you overboard. Exactly, and that's that's where he is. I think, I think, yeah, I think, and that goes back to what Jordan said, is that, you know, he, he very well could have left there alive, but he may not be alive now. He left that bar alive, in my opinion. Now, how long he was alive afterwards, I think that's kind of the point we're all debating at this point in time. I think we can fully agree on that, that he left the bar alive. Yeah. 
I just think that we have Jordan has an opinion that he may have made it a little bit farther than I think he might have made it. Right. And that maybe in that instance, maybe he's still making it. Well, and maybe uh, in Jordan's scenario, maybe it was an accident or it might have been intentional at that point. But in my instance, it's a little bit more cloak and dagger compared to Jordan's theory. Um, I think the main thing about this case that's bothered me the entire time that I've been thinking about it in my head is it's kind of like playing a game of rock, paper, scissors, right? Because every time you, like, one thing constantly beats another. Because you, every time you think about something, all of a sudden you start to kind of lend towards, oh, it might have been an accident. But then, oh, it might have been murder. And, oh, maybe he, maybe he left on purpose. And it's, they all just kind of keep going in a circle, keep pointing their fingers at each other every time you think yeah. about it a little bit harder. Any final closing thoughts, gentlemen? That was mine. Yeah, I, think, I think we covered it fairly, fairly thoroughly. All right. You guys feel that way about this case? Because I, I definitely, I, I thought this one was a bit of a mind game. Yeah, the initial like, like onset when I was like pitching this, like, and we were we were talking about doing this for our first episode. I was like, oh yeah, no, this is pretty, pretty, you know, kind of very clear cut case. No, 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 it's not. It there's, not there's a lot of weird twists and turns. I think my favorite bit of information though that we talked about tonight that I was not aware of was um, the mole people. Well, no, was. <laughs> Was that tuition? Where are those? Oh, oh, oh well. I guess hmm. I agree. The tuition check is just one of those things that just throws a wrench in almost everything. Yeah, yeah that's a weird coincidence. You pair you pair that with the phone being pinged in such a weird area, and, yeah. and it just the possibilities are so great that you, you can you can literally kind of come up with whatever theory fits your personal convictions. Episode one of the JFK FK podcast. Any any like closing words or, or statements or anything that you guys want to say? Any any grandthum level I think fatherly I, advice for, I for people Craig input. Yeah, I think Craig did Craig, fantastic. Yeah, Craig, you did a great job. Yeah, he's really working in the background. He's he is. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't isolate us from our listeners. He's our both nerdly. That isolates you from me. Because I <laughs> oh, what the hell you're talking about? <laughs> oh, do you guys that, that like you right there? You you don't know what I'm talking about, or or I don't this... even know what you said. Bo Bo Snerdly? Bo 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 Snerdly? Yeah, Bo Snerdly. It, It's fine. Just look him up. It'll it's fine. We're kind of lying to our listeners. This is actually episode two. The first one was on JFK. And that's how you know we came. Oh up yeah, that's yes. Oh, we did yeah. we did do that. We'll we'll post it secretly some some point in time. 